Welcome to the DSR Ghost Writing Podcast, your source for information about content marketing, thought leadership, and how you can leverage the power of communication to build your industry profile, enhance your brand recognition, and position your inbound marketing for success. And here's your host, Daniel Rosehill. Hello, welcome back to the DSR Ghostwriting Podcast, bringing you today episode number 14. This is the podcast to listen to if you are interested in thought leadership, content marketing, and how to leverage both to build your brand awareness, position yourself in the market, and for inbound lead generation. My name is Daniel Rosal. I'm a freelance thought leadership and content marketing writer. You can check out my website at dsrghostwriting.com. Now, one of the focuses of this podcast is uh, thought leadership and content marketing, but particularly if you are interested in using out-of-house resources to make that happen. So whether you're talking about using a PR company or a generalist marketing agency or a freelance writer such as myself, this is one of the ongoing focuses. And if you are doing that, then you are at some point likely going to have to prepare something called a brief for a writer and that's what I really want to focus on on this podcast so if you're already working at a marketing agency and have been writing briefs for freelance writers for a number of years then the information in this podcast is probably not going to be of any use or interest to you but on the other hand if you haven't written a brief if you haven't briefed a freelance writer before or you're not quite sure what to put in a brief and you're not quite sure about it please listen in i hope that this will be an informational uh, podcast and this this episode complements in general my podcast is tracking uh, the things i write in my blog so if you are interested in checking out the dsr ghostwriting blog it's dsrghostwriting.com forward slash blog that'll redirect you to forward slash insights Uh, but it can be accessed through that same uh, URL. And the piece I wrote last week is called How to Brief a Freelance Writer. There's also a piece on uh, business to community and on Medium. So if if you are following me on either of those publications, you'll be able to find the same uh, piece of writing essentially, but that's where that is. Um, And I included there just as an idea because a lot of people are just interested in seeing, I know I find templates very helpful when I'm writing a new document format. So I included there a template which can be downloaded as a PDF. So if you just want to jump to the chase and see what would a brief look like, please check out that resource. And what I did, um, my idea here was I actually wrote the brief for the blog. I wrote the blog first and then I wrote a brief that if I wanted to get this blog from that brief, this would be what I would include in that brief. So read the guide, download the template, check out the example brief. And I think with those three resources, you should get a pretty good idea on the kind of things freelance writers need in a brief. Now, this is all my perspective. As a writer, this is what I think about briefs. I don't brief myself. I don't currently subcontract my writing uh, but this is based on five years experience receiving briefs from everybody and his grandmother as there's a kind of expression here like that from everybody conceivable whether that's from companies entrepreneurs marketing agencies I've seen a lot of different briefs and it has to be said that the quality from my perspective is very variable in fact it's, I think it would be fair to say that the only commonality between all these briefs is really that there is no commonality. 
Um, but I do think there are, at the same time, best practices. And the, this is a list that I have distilled from the briefs I've received and the briefs I've received that I think are good briefs, um, that are useful briefs and that enable me to create the strongest piece of writing possible. That's ultimately the objective in a brief. You want to make it as easy as possible for the writer to do his best work with the minimal revision cycle on the on the uh, end side of that process. That's the objective of a brief. I do highlight in the introduction that from my perspective, marketing agencies are the best brief writers. That's my strong opinion. That's just based on receiving briefs from them. I think they typically do it well particularly the bigger marketing agencies international agencies kind of have this down to an art uh, and that's not surprising given that they do this all the time but uh, you can certainly whether it's your first time you can pick up and learn from these tips um, about how to brief a writer so let's let's go ahead and jump right in so a brief is a set of instructions essentially as i said for a freelance writer it's not uh, a brief is not unique to writers there are other forms of creative briefs you can have graphic design briefs web design briefs it's something used throughout the creative world uh, but for writing this is essentially what it is now typically a brief would be a written document i recommend if it's something like an 800 word blog in my opinion a two page document is perfectly sufficient i do recommend however getting it in writing so as i mentioned here you can deliver briefs through phone calls. I've got that where a client just calls you up or they send you a series of WhatsApp messages. So yes, from that perspective, from my perspective as a writer that works, I get the information, but I always like to amass information in one place. That's why I'm such an email fanatic. And for me, my inbox is the center of my communication area. So I like to um, get briefs by email as attachments rather than messages. And just one final thing about my website. So if you are by chance a DSR ghostwriting client, and even if you're not, you just want to see um, the brief in real life, you can see I have a send a brief page there under uh, under this, currently it's called for clients on my website. Uh, I have links off there to the guide and the example, but there's actually a brief form. So you can also check out that to see the kind of things I ask for. So that's what a brief is. As I said, a one or two page document is good enough really. Now what should be in it? And this is this is what I'm going to focus on uh, for this podcast. I'm just It's just gonna be a list um, and these are what I recommend. So firstly, um, we're gonna be using the example of an article. You can certainly have a brief for a white paper or an ebook or even a book. A book, would, a book wouldn't be typically briefed. Um, but if you're writing a white paper, a brief would be quite standard. The length of the brief would be longer, and I think that's fine. So when I say one to two pages, I'm talking about articles and blogs. Um, so it's worth learning because if you're going to be sending a freelance writer, you know, uh, 50 articles throughout the year, it's worth getting the format down uh, so that you can rest assured that every brief you send is going to be strong. Okay, so firstly, the article title, um, typically that's kind of self-explanatory. Sometimes my briefs, the briefs I get will say, this is a su suggested title if you want, if you have another idea. So you can leave it up to the writer. Typically, uh, these days, SEO encroaching so strongly into freelance writing, it's chosen very specifically for SEO, for keywords. Um, 
some clients uh, while we're talking on the subject of seo so some some clients i've seen will get the writers to write the meta tag so there's two meta tags for articles the meta title and the meta description again these are seo tags that when you uh, search in a search engine for a query what you're seeing is the meta titles and the meta tags think about a set of google sorry the meta titles and the meta descriptions uh, think about a search engine result page, a SERP. When you put something into Google, you get a big list. So uh, there are guidelines about how many characters. Sometimes some clients will want will actually get the writers to write those. Probably a good idea if you're going to do that, that you make sure that your writer knows about the SEO best practices and maybe has done this before. The article length, you would be surprised how many people do not include this on briefs. And I'll tell you why it's important. So I've talked in another podcast about how writers price their work. Um, And this is a lot of times uh, the agreement is a flat fee for a word count. So for example, my, my contract with a client might say, I charge them $300 if it's a piece up to 1,000 words in length. And if the word count falls out between 1,000 and 300, it's going to be $450. I'm just giving a very, uh, an example off the top of my head. So for that reason, because there's often a contractual dimension there, you want to be careful. You don't want to brief a writer for 2,000 words if, the, if you've got a contract with them up to 1,000 and there's nothing written about longer projects and how those should be compensated um so i find the word count helpful if you're working per word um which some clients like then this is a little bit of a gray area what you can do is give the writer a minimum and maximum so um for example you might brief a writer and uh, who's being paid per word and tell them it's an 800 to 1000 word piece uh typically when i was doing per word projects i would round round down i wouldn't charge someone you know one for 1923 words that would seem petty so i would just round that round that to 1900 or even maybe bigger variables so that's why i find the um that buffer that um that range helpful or or you can just specify a maximum but that's important for me uh, as a writer i like to know what they're envisioning Sometimes the uh, client will say, you know, it can be anything up to 2,000 words. That's a really, really big uh, statement. That's zero to 2,000. In that case, I think you should have a uh, per project rate agreed with the writer. It's great that you can let them, you know, you don't want to force writers to write too much and it's going to just be filler content. Uh, So that's a downfall of per word pricing. at the same time it's good to set some parameters there so just make sure that they make sense essentially the article at purpose moving on is another one that is common so basically um a lot of times this will be demand generation seo those are kind of very very short um sweeping statements about what the client wants there to be the purpose of this article so that's fine if you want to just write demand gen seo i think there's nothing wrong with that Um, I do think sometimes it's good to be a bit more descriptive. So for example, I have as a example description here, we're writing this article to try position ourselves as the experts on X. Our competitor Y recently wrote this piece and we'd like to do a better job. So this I think bleeds into more um, mindset dynamics. So if if you're a writer, there's, it's not very enjoyable to just feel like a cog in the wheel. And typically there is some kind of 
thought process going into the production of a piece of content, particularly if it's a priority piece. So I think if you have that information and you feel confident in your writer, maybe you've got them to sign a non-disclosure agreement, whatever is required, I think the more it's good to share what you want to be doing with the writer, just to, just to be transparent. So I really recommend um, if you can give them those couple of catchwords, but also go a little bit deeper, tell them what you're trying to achieve. The next two sections are take home message and secondary messaging. So these are kind of my own invention based on briefs and uh, speaking to people about writing projects and asking them what they want. So I think it's really important to be clear on what the take home message. If they're, you know, if the reader is not going to take anything else from this article, they're going to be reading it on their commute. What's the key message that you're trying to get across? And I think, you know, if you can be clear on that, there's a typical way in which writers uh, structure their content. So for example, in news media, the inverted pyramid is a classic, uh, classic format for writing text. So when you're writing something, when I'm writing something as a writer, I like to know what's the key messaging in order to get that somewhere close to the lead paragraph or the second paragraph and to reiterate to loop back to that in the conclusion that's why i ask for it i think it's really important um if the article is going to be distilled and skimmed and if your audience is reading online realistically that's what is going to happen um then what is the piece of the article you want to to really uh, crystallize in the in the content secondary messaging because you know if it's a 2000 word article there's probably going to be a few messages there uh so sometimes when i'm using this word messaging is tied up really in public relations and marketing strategies so often if you have something like a pr document and you're working with a writer for a campaign over six months over 12 months it would be a good idea to share that messaging that you know that high level messaging information with the writer so that he can see what the kind of messaging that all the articles should carry throughout the campaign. Next up on the list, target publications. And I'll tell you why this is important. So for my writing, my thought leadership, ghostwriting practice, um, I write for, I write articles and different forms of content that really wind up in different places. So sometimes it's for the company blog, Sometimes I'm working with a client and they have a PR function or separately a PR firm and they've received buy-in for a placement in a editorial publication. Let's just use Fast Company or Entrepreneur. So um, when you're dealing with top tier media, the New York Times, Washington Post, Boston Globe, you know, na name the list, they typically have a uh, submission list of submissions requirements that is kind of an abbreviated style guide for contributed content. So if you are contributing op-eds, thought leadership to one of these publications, you need to go through this and make sure it's correct. So if I'm working with the client and they have this, I'll ask them, you know, do you have buy-in uh, with an editor to publish this? Have they agreed based on maybe seeing an outline? If that's the case, then I will need to go and read that uh, read that submissions guide. It's not helpful to me if you say, you know, we're we're thinking about pitching it to these six different organizations because in that case, there's no there's typically no way to write something that accords with six different style guides. Um, in terms of standard style guides, you have the Associated Press AP and you have the Chicago Manual of Style CMS. So, uh, you know, some publications just use those. So that's why it's useful to, to set the target publications. 
Uh, in the world of content marketing, we're more typically talking about writing for the company blog. Uh, but if you do have a style guide, then that's something that clients will also commonly send on. If you don't know what a style guide is, I'll talk about that in another episode because a lot of organizations uh, will produce one, a proprietary guide containing their branding guidelines and whatnot. So uh, that's something we'll talk about in another episode. But suffice to say, if you do have one, uh, most companies, in my experience, will send that on to their writers. Target audience. Um, so just as we, just as it's good to know the target publication, it's also useful to know who this um this piece of content this piece of writing is targeting the demographic the buyer persona if you have that information don't keep that to yourself share it with your writer so they can understand whether this is really going to be targeted at millennials um what kind of age group what segment people living in a certain country whatever the information the general idea was this brief and i'll get to this before we end this episode is to give good relevant information and not give too much information so you want to get that balance right stylistic considerations what style are you aiming for authoritative persuasive inspirational so this is something i ask and on my brief my briefing form i have little check boxes that people can tick off um so yes uh, those you know those are your general considerations if you if you want something to be authoritative put that down if you want something to be persuasive put that down um if it's for sales and lead gen you might want to go uh more salesy um, you may want to go less salesy if that would not be an appropriate tone if this is supposed to be more about delivering you know value and to, to sound more objective so all that information all that nuance is really important for writers controlled terminology another another one i've uh, sort of invented for my own brief um what i mean by this is naming conventions so certain times clients will tell you stuff like this is a competitor you know the competitor list um don't cite our competitors these publications are owned by our competitors or our competitors post for this publication so please don't cite that um sometimes briefs will specifically say you know we need two external links we want three statistics etc and in that case if there are limitations or caveats to that requirement then it would be a good idea to include that information and likewise control terminology so if um you know you can't refer to gsm radio networks you have to call them cellular radio networks or vice versa you have to call gsm based radio networks cellular networks then uh, you know explain that information uh competitor list um is basically the same same idea that you want to explain who your competitors are particularly if that information is not immediately apparent so just don't forget that people like freelance writers they're not part of your org they're not embedded in your organization they don't have a competitor list unless you share it with them you know they might have an idea about who you're competing against and who would who it would be not a good idea to cite from but unless you provide it they're not going to be able to just divine that um, from thinking about it so good information to share seo keywords this is typical the clients will provide keywords uh, you may be working with a writer or if it's an agency they might have an seo function they might have a digital marketing person who does your keyword research um, but in a lot of cases if you're working with a freelance writer or a content writer however you want to you know to, to call them um they will not be providing keyword research as part of the service and that's something coming from your end so share your keywords um however you wish to a lot of times it's keywords and keyword volume and 
commonly the notes I get now go something like don't force keywords because keyword stuffing, you know, has been shown to be not effective. So I'll typically get the keywords and then a note saying something like, you know, please don't, uh, if, if they sound natural, put them in, try to include this three times, this two times, that kind of thing. So uh, talk to your digital marketing slash SEO person about uh, how that element should be included in the brief. Okay, inspirational content. Here's another one I like. So when I'm trying to get a feel for what someone wants to have written, I always ask, is there something, is there somebody, some thought leader, some influencer, some journalist, doesn't matter. Is there something you really like? And if so, can you share that with me? So um, I recommend, again, the overarching idea here is to keep stuff relatively lean. Um, you can also share this information, you know, at the start of a campaign um, and then your subsequent briefs can be smaller. So that's actually an approach I really recommend that you'll kind of give someone a really big first brief containing all the all this kind of background info and then um, get much more lean going forward if this is an ongoing writing, writing project. Okay, uh, a skeleton outline, don't forget this. So here's, I do have a couple of thoughts about this. Now, almost everybody will include an outline as part of their brief. An outline, in case that isn't clear, you're talking about what you want in the article. And because so much content marketing is SEO uh, centric, it'll be typically, you know, a series of H2 um, headers, uh, the H basically the header structure, the H2s, the H3s, the H4s, um, you know, going through the hierarchy and um, that's basically it. It's a little skeleton for the article. That's what some clients do. Other clients go really, really in depth. So I've seen, you know, outlines that are 500 words in length for a 1000 word article. And that always feels a little bit strange to me as a writer because there is a voice inside your head saying you've written half the article. Why did you not? Could you not just write this yourself? So um the balance is key and another thing I would say is you know writers are at the end of the day creatives even if you're dealing with content writing and SEO focused writing I personally don't like as a writer when the brief basically leaves me with absolutely no room for creativity where it spells out almost exactly the way each sentence needs to be written so I recommend personally and everybody you know there'll be different opinions about this I recommend not going down to that level where you kind of put the writer in a straitjacket, give them a bit of creative scope while also guiding them through the outline of how you want the article to be. And I think that's a good medium. Uh, so an example, I just say, discuss intro, discuss what IOT is, one paragraph, another paragraph about, I'm just using this IOT example because it's something I've written a bit, or quite a bit about. Next paragraph, comparing cellular versus low LP1 networks next paragraph discussing the competitor landscape etc that's the outline you don't need to overthink it research resources now here's another one where i have uh, i have a thing to say about this so um you can really go crazy on the amount of research resources you send a writer but i think you really need to be clients need to be realistic Freelance writers think about their economics, they're people who, you know, if they charge, whether they charge per project, per hour, um, ultimately they're selling their time for projects. So if you have a writer where there is, you know, they've quoted you for research or, you know, you think their quote should include research time or you've made it clear that there's going to be a lot of research needed, that's fine. But don't just dump 
a thousand words reading on the writer in a huge amount of attachments or you know again you can discuss this is a conversation so you can talk about this with your writer um but i recommend unless that's the case and they're giving you a kind of rate that is quite competitive for the content you need and includes the writing um certainly you should include research resources but i think keep it to keep it reasonable uh send a couple of papers to read um you know i have seen cases where for a blog and this is not an exaggeration for a 1000 word article i've received 150 pages spread out over like 15 different pdfs gartner reports um previous blogs videos webinars you know clients just throwing you a ton of links and saying read and watch all of this and then write the blog so I don't think that's ideal unless you have um, some kind of a contractual framework because, you know, the writer is not going to be happy, essentially, if you ask a huge amount from them and it just doesn't seem like it's worth their time. And, you know, if that's the case, you're, you're going to put the writer on the back foot. They're going to have to have that conversation with you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would just be reasonable. Think about it from the writer's perspective. What are you asking versus, you know, what's being offered here? Does that make sense? Um, okay, the English variant, uh, you know, because I write a lot of articles, uh, mostly now in American English, but sometimes I wrote back to British English, and that that needs to be specified um, in the in the. And speaking of language and speaking of words, sometimes clients as well really really hate certain words. Or they really like certain words. So I have one uh, British lady who uh, has very strong feelings about certain words and does not like the word leverage but is fine with other words so she has a, a particular um idiosyncrasies i was going to say peculiarities but it probably doesn't not a not a very kind way to put it so if you do have that you have your pet peeve words or you have words you really like uh, why not put that in but as i said think about sending a first initial brief before you um you know before you delve dive into the shorter briefs readability score this is another one that in content marketing some people will pass your writing through copyscape for plagiarism they'll also pass it through a readability score uh, website in order to determine its readability score so i'm not going to say too much about that because it's not um i have you know some writers are not keen on that but if, if that's a requirement for you put that in and last but not least put the deadline you would not believe how many people forget to put in the deadline sometimes there, gen there genuinely isn't a deadline i got one client last week who says we don't like deadlines we're not a deadline place and i said this is wonderful but as much as it was wonderful um it's not really pragmatic Mo um, writers are just like any other human beings that they will procrastinate what they, they will leave until the last minute what can be left till the last minute or at least a lot of them certainly include myself in that bracket so a, a deadline is actually helpful um but here's here's one and this will be the final point i make here um in terms of setting deadlines i think you should speak to this it should be a conversation that you have with your writer so you know if you have if the writer has told you and a lot of clients will ask me what's your bandwidth um how many articles can you turn what what's your bandwidth like right now so 10 hours a week is it 20 how quickly can you turn around so i have attempted to make this very transparent i have a blog on my site uh, talking about lead time and how my average lead time is x i don't want to 
actually say a number because uh, this podcast could become out of date very quickly and currently it's three to six it could be two to three next month but when they ask that and I give a number that's typically fine so I'll tell a client look it's going to take me about five days on average to get a draft back to you so they send me a brief and it's got a deadline next week um to me that's okay that's fine we've talked about it um I, I would have told the client if there you know I was going on vacation or there was some reason why my usual turnaround uh, wasn't going to work this time what from a writer's perspective I'm not keen on is when a client will assign you a brief in two days time and just land landed on your plate so I, I would really say don't do that so if your writers told you their turnaround time I was ha- having a debate with myself yesterday should every client ask you should it you know the clients are entitled to set a, a, a deadline but should it be kind of you know can this work every time is that inefficient a lot of times you're working with your uh, writers in Trello or Monday or, you know, these project management tools. So you might just assign them something. So my recommendation, I think that's really, there's there's no clear answer on what's the best protocol there. But what I do think is a good protocol and a good best practice is to tell, discuss your writer's bandwidth. Uh, if you're a writer, I think you should, you know, tell your clients if your bandwidth changes so that they can know um, within what time frame to expect a turnaround from you. Uh, but don't just, if they have told you a time turnaround time, a sort of service level agreement slash SLA, to put that in more enterprise terms, then don't go ahead and assign stuff uh, that is um, you know quicker just because you need something done really soon. That's it. That's really all there is to be said on the topic of writing briefs, at least at this point. And this is, as I said, based on about five years of getting briefs. And it could be that in, you know, next month I will have different feelings about it. But that's kind of my current writer's perspective. Let me just run through the main points really quickly. I think for an article, you know, two pages is fine. Feel free to use the brief template that's up there on my website, dsrghostwriting.com slash blog. And you will have a sample brief there um, as well as this this podcast essentially in textual format if you prefer that. Um, check that out if you need help. And I, I think it's re- these are pretty reasonable fields. I'm just go through them quickly again. Make sure you, you set a deadline. Um, research resources, be reasonable. You know, g- commensurate to the length of the piece and commensurate to the contract value, I would say. So, you know, if, you're, if it's a a white paper then that needs a lot of resources if it's a 500 word blog i recommend not sending your writer 20 news articles that's just too much you know they're they're not going to have time to read through 20 news articles for a project that you know they might have budgeted three hours to write so be reasonable skeleton outline is just an outline don't need to overthink that seo structures h2 is common uh, inspirational content i think is a good thing to send at least the first time SEO keywords, if your digital marketing people need them. Competitor list, share that with your writer. Control terminology, if you have any. Stylistic, tell them what style you want. Target audience, target publications. And that really comes down to just being transparent, I think, and sharing that information with your writer. Messaging, feel free to pull that out of something like a PR strategy document, just so the writer knows for a campaign um what the what the messaging the agreed messaging that you have set is and that can be something coming from a high level you know that can be your 
strategic messaging that your PR resources set. Finally, um, I recommend certainly recommend an article title that's or at least a uh, suggested one so the writer just has an idea what this is about and can enter it in their own project management system under some name Um, and the article length and there's a bit of caution here advise that this is a contractual matter in a lot of cases uh, but you know if you're paying them by the word I think a range a kind of fairly tight range is good Um, pay them by the hour is fine and you can leave it up to them uh, but, you know, it, it depends on your contract and your specific set of circumstances. I think in many cases it makes sense to state it. And I find a range helpful so I know not to go under a certain amount. That's often an SEO consideration. Not to go over a certain amount. That's sometimes a billing consideration if it's per word. So I just get that information. And that is it. So I hope this. I hope that this podcast has been useful. Uh, If you are interested in learning more about the kind of writing services I provide, what I do, dsrghostwriting.com. There is a page there for thought leadership and for content marketing, as well as all the types of writing that I do. And if you have any questions uh, or would like a link to this brief by email, feel free to get in touch. There's a contact page there. Um, And good luck. Hope uh, sending, enjoy sending, briefing your writers keep it reasonable and make sure to provide them with the information they need. And once you do that, you're really setting up your writing project for success and giving the writer essentially the tools they need to do the best possible job for you and your business. Until next time, thanks for listening to the DSR Ghostwriting Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the DSR Ghostwriting Podcast. To learn more about how writing services can improve your business and enhance your bottom line, visit dsrghostwriting.com.